Welcome back for another helping of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by myself, Mr. Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. First time I've called myself Mr. in the intro. There's a first time for everything. Barrett, I've been waiting to see you pull out one of your patented multi-layer winter outfits and stunt all over us here. It's finally Uh, that time of the year when hardcore fashion Barrett emerges from hibernation. (laughs) We've taken a step today. We're on the way. That's true. We are are well well on our way. Um, and, and I, I feel good about you noticing this because I'm, I'm wearing all, uh, it's all Howler Brothers. It's the company that I, that I, Ooh. that I, that I work for. Your so full-time employer. I'm a, my full-time employer. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it, this is two of my favorite things from them and, um, you know, they make great stuff. So spe- never, spe- he, special shout out to Howler Brothers. Howler Brothers where Barrett throws down, uh, during his nine to five. That's right. You should go peep it. Howler Brothers is an awesome company. They've got they've got a bu- not one of our sponsors, just to be clear, but they've got a bunch of great, uh, incredible clothing, and you're looking at some of it on Mr. Barrett Dudley right now. If you're watching on YouTube.com/slash Bowling yeah, Media, yeah. So there you have it. But um, but in all seriousness, Barrett, he's a he's a great dresser. If you haven't noticed this, if you've never watched our show or seen pictures of us, I know there's still like a good percentage of people. Who like will randomly click on a YouTube one day they and they're like, we look like, "I've been watch listening to y'all's podcast <laughs> for like two and a half years and had no idea mm-hmm. what either of you looked like." And yeah. now I know. And some people will be like, "You look nothing like I thought," and some people are like, "You look exactly like I thought y'all would." So. At this point, if I'm listening to, if I hear somebody on the radio or if I'm listening to a new podcast, that's one of the f- I have to know what they look like. That's I one always of the first Google. things I do. Yeah, I always Google their name and check out what they look like. Radio dudes in particular, they're deceptive. Yeah. They're just they can be very deceptive. You'll listen to a guy for you know, so it's not, and think he's a cool person or something. Thinking <laughs> you think he, you'll think you treat because you know how he we looks, are humans. You think he looks cool. Yeah, 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 like yeah, but and then it's, it's just like he's a big you know turd out there. He's just a sometimes. big dork. He's just a big dork. Big dork. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I'm, I'm, I, I totally get how you you hear us, and for some reason our voices can can conjure an image uh-huh. in your mind. Yeah, in your mind's eye. Right, and then. And then those, uh, and then that doesn't live up to what you see on the screen. By the way, no, most um, of the time it doesn't. I, I feel it, we have no TVs in here. We have no monitors to see ourselves. Yeah, usually. And we I do. actually feel really good about this. You because feel free, al- although I do feel free because I can't, I can't constantly look up at myself and like print my hair and like make sure that I don't look like a like a big dork out here. Yeah, and I feel like I'm I'm looking at you now. I'm really oh, that's I'm, unfortunate. You know, I'm really we're I'm making eye contact. I'm making and, and I just. Feels good, man. So, good. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah. yeah, I think the TVs that are coming back in here will be smaller. So that's probably that's that's, that's a, helpful. That's good. That's good. yeah. It's all for those of you who don't know, and that's all of you. I think there's usually a television off screen, off of uh, to the right or in front of Barrett to my right, where we can see what's being recorded on our video cameras that go on YouTube.com/slash/BowlingMedia. And for Barrett, like it's right in front of him. So you can't help yourself. It's like what we were talking about with producer Mariah before the show started. It's like when you're FaceTiming or on a Zoom call, you stare at yourself most of the time. Yeah. Because yeah. we're all, you know, vain and insane. Vain human. Vain Plus, weird creatures. Yeah. And the other humans, we, you know, most of them, they're not who that care, great who, to look who, at. Yeah, who cares about them? Yeah, who cares? Who cares about them? Um, can, I, can I tell you something, Ross? Sure, you always can. Um, there's, some, there's some excitement bubbling up in, in my belly today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because, because tomorrow, it's tonight, tonight, uh-huh. it's, it's Sopranos Eve. It is Barrett. Tomorrow tomorrow night I will be watching The Sopranos for the first time ever. And I cannot tell you how exciting this is because it, it it's it's basically like it, it's kind of like Christmas in a way, except for that you know, 
You don't know what it is yet, but uh-huh. you know that the gift you're about to open is going to be good. Everybody is saying it's the best gift of all time. Okay. That's a fair assessment of now, what we're that, looking at I, here. I guess that could potentially lead to a letdown, but in this case- Very good point. It probably won't. Yeah. The Sopranos is not a show that is structured in a way where it relies on things and, and um, storytelling methods that would let you down. There are not, uh, for instance, we're going to be discussing a show today- the Undoing, that relied almost entirely on the drama of twists and turns. That is not The Sopranos. It's fairly straightforward most of the time. You know what you're dealing with. Seasons don't end with like, are you gonna, well, that was a crazy moment. What's gonna happen next season? Like, for the most part, that's not the show. So it's not really set up in a way where you could, I don't think it yields a lot of disappointment for people, even with all of the hype. I don't get the feeling that it does. And it's also just a show that I've been wanting to watch for so long. That I'm just—it's very excited, and it's—it's it's very exciting, and I—and—and and the fact that we are doing one a week means it's going to be structured just exactly like the way it was intended by um, David Chase, you know, by David Chase, and, and the great folks at home broadcasting, and the great office. folks at, at home box office, exactly. And box so I—I just—it's very—you know—it's—we're going to be doing one a week. It's basically going to be Wednesday nights, is Sopranos nights, and for me, it's like a new episode is coming out every week, and it—and—and the—the—the the thing about it is, the thing about it is. Hmm. It's not TV. It's not. It's, it's oysters, clams, and cockles. It is. That's what. That's that's the thing. It's not TV. It's OCC. Yeah. It's not TV. It's OCC. Can we steal that? Is that fair? I, we just did. I think if we if we only take the first half, <laughs> also HBO suing us would be the stupidest thing ever. All we do is promote <laughs> their fucking shows all day. So no, I think we're good there. It's not TV. It's OCC. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm, we're very I'm, very excited, Barrett and I both, to get into, and as uh, we know thousands of you are hopefully for patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles to be the place that every week starting this week you're going to get one episode of the sopranos on thursdays uh thursday evenings um most likely they'll come out a little later in the afternoon on thursdays this week we're starting with season one episode one barrett has never watched the sopranos i'm a well-versed sopranos addict and we are going to tackle each episode spoiler free for your enjoyment on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles the idea being uh, with Patreon, we obviously can circumvent the advertising industry, bring you a product directly in exchange for your financial support in the form of your pledge monthly, which in the case of getting the Sopranos episodes is going to cost you 5 bucks in the Crustacean Nation and 10 bucks in the Mollusk Militia where you're going to get a bunch of additional things in your tier. Those tiers, if you are listening to this episode, are set up now for you to go sign up on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Join Barrett and I on the Sopranos Watch starting with Season 1, Episode 1, this Thursday. It is my favorite television show of all time. During the course of the run of OCC when we were covering Game of Thrones, y'all heard me speak on the comparison many, many times. There was a point where Game of Thrones sort of popped up over the top of The Sopranos and I was like, oh my God, Barrett, I feel almost like I'm betraying. It's, doing it. it's like, really doing like it. Like I'm betraying my favorite show saying right. this, but I think right. this is now the greatest thing ever made. And then this, the Game of Thrones finale, obviously, in last season, there was a bit of a stumble there. Sopranos maintained its place for me. And this will be the first time I have delved back in since... Game of Thrones ended. It has been over a year, at least, maybe a couple years since I've watched The Sopranos. I am ready to get back into the world of Tony and Carmella and Big Pussy Bump and Saro and all the other fun characters that uh, Uncle Junior, Bobby, I can't fucking wait. We're doing it. Finally, people have asked us to do this forever. 
years, literally, since we started doing Game of Thrones, people were like, will you do The Sopranos? And we were like, chill out. We have the time. We've restructured our entire show for this very purpose. Every week right here on OCC, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube.com slash Media, on SoundCloud, you're going to get Barrett and I discussing what we're watching in TV and film in our personal lives, the best TV shows and movies we've hit recently, random Hollywood pop culture news, entertainment news, anything revolving around what Barrett and I are watching uh, regularly week to week or stuff that is clash, uh, crashing through into the Twitter sphere, making it into the realms of uh, pop culture. We're going to discuss it right here on your regularly scheduled ad-based programming. And then on Patreon, we will be covering The Sopranos specifically. So go get in one of your, t- get, pick the tier that makes most sense for you. What do you want? Go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, sign up today, and be sure you're there for Thursday's first episode, season one, episode one, The Sopranos with Barrett and I. Now, I heard you mentioning characters there, but I didn't hear you, uh, I didn't hear you mention Johnny. Who the and, hell? Uh, oh, Johnny and Zach. A, and what about snakes? There's no snakes, though. What about snakes? There is a Johnny, though. Very important. You didn't mention Johnny or snakes. A little mo with the gimpy leg. Yeah, these are, these are from Home Alone. So, uh, why, how could you miss those? Did you... Did you know when you were a little kid? What about Crazy Carl, huh? That the Home Alone what about the movie, crackers, huh? That they showed us was Barrett working on his mobster uh, <laughs> persona. He's trying to develop it before we get there. I can assure you, that's what's happening. Do you remember watching the Home Alone and seeing the gangster movie that would come on? It's called like Angels and Demons or some shit. So it's not called Angels and Demons because I just had to look this up oh, okay. to, to do a tweet a few days ago. Okay, I did a tweet. Um, and why didn't you fleet? It's uh, maybe next time. It's um. I, I want to say it's angels with filthy soul uh, with filthy souls. Yeah, angels with filthy souls. And then in the second one, he's watching the sequel. Angel, angels, angels with, with even with filthier, even filthier souls. souls. Okay, so I didn't know when I was a little kid though that those were parodies. That those are not real movies. That they were yeah. made. That those were made for Home Alone. Yep. I thought that was an old school movie, an old time that I'd be able to find and watch. Yep, yep. And it wasn't until I was like twenty seven that somebody filled me in there on on the, the fact that that wasn't even real. I guess I could have used the Google machine at some point. I'm not Snakes. a smart man, but I know what love is. I know that name. Snakes. <laughs> <laughs> What's that dude's name who plays... Uh, uh, Daniel Stern. Dude. Fucking probably one of the more underrated funny guys in yeah, terms of yeah. just like no, he's not hilarious. really getting any recognition. Like the fact that I don't even know his name is mildly insulting. And he's awesome. Anyway, we have a great show planned for today. Tidbits and such with Barrett uh, to open it up. And then, of course, it's time to close out both The Undoing on HBO with the finale of The Undoing on HBO and we'll discuss the season as a whole and then of course the Queen's Gambit finale briefly at the end of today's show as well. So let's jump right in. But first, this episode of OCC is brought to you by Echelon. Uh, This has been a tough year. All of us need to close out strong. No better way to do that than getting in shape, staying in shape. Nothing feels better as, uh, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment of hitting your fitness goals, feeling great about yourself. Go into 2021 with that motivation, Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home. Nobody wants to be in the gym right now. It's already a disgusting place when there isn't a pandemic going on. Right now, 
Truly disgusting. And Echelon's world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. I got my mom an Echelon bike a few months ago when they first started working with Bolin Media. They've been awesome. And right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days when you go to echelonfit.com slash dragon. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash dragon to try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Echelonfit.com slash dragon. And now it's time for Tidbits and Such with Barrett. Yeah. Hey, we're hey. back. Hey. Oh, um, hit us with the news. Ross, uh, this hmm. past this past weekend, yesterday through the weekend, in between the days following Thanksgiving sure. and ending with uh, with last night. Okay. Yeah. You, uh, you heard about this? You heard about this? The the, uh, the Black Friday, the Cyber Monday. I did hear about this. You heard briefly. about the uh, you heard about the deals. I you think heard about I got the specials. An, I think I got an email. Yeah, or two, maybe two, maybe yeah. three. Seven thousand emails over the past. You, uh, days. Yeah. Um. So we we rarely we you know we talk a lot about about the people and the places and the things that are happening out in that uh, entertainment world. It's true. But we don't typically, although we have before, mention the hardware. Mm. And so your boy, your podcast host. He's getting an upgrade, my friend. Is that so? Yes. What does this mean? I have ordered via one of these uh, one of these uh, Cyber Monday deals out there. Um, what did you? What did I, you I have ordered a, a new money. I've ordered a new fifty-five inch TV. Oh, I forgot you texted us over the weekend, and you were like, "What's the deal with these televisions?" Yeah, yeah, I was, and I, I was, was like, "I don't know." The What's physios. The deal with televisions. Does um, anybody know what four K <laughs> even means? So yeah, so I got, I, I, I think I found a nice middle ground on the TVs. I, I would love to have an OLED, you know, hashtag True Black. Sure, we all would. Um, but it, it's, the, I just, it's hard to spend fourteen hundred dollars on a TV, which I realize is a great price for the OLEDs now. They're yeah, typically they've like way more affordable. Two, three thousand dollars in the past. Um, and and with the deals out there, you could. You could get it. You could get yourself an OLED for um, for for under fifteen hundred. Is that what they call them, OLED, or is that just so, your way? Uh, so OLED. I said, let, let's I just say talk OLED. about because because I do. It's o, yeah. They they, but OLED works. OLED. I can is, say OLED. Yeah, yeah. Love yeah. that. That's huge. So just a, a a quick spiel here about what I learned. So TVs historically are have all even flat flat screens and LEDs and everything. They're backlit. So some type of light shines through a grid of panels to create your picture right and so because of that there's always a little bit of light and so even when you're supposed to see something black on your screen it's really more of like a dark gray and so oled and really the only company doing oleds is lg okay it is really hard to do it's expensive to produce and they're the only company that basically like fought through all the research and development and got to a point where they are like able to churn out these OLED, oled screens for relatively reasonable prices. Okay. And every single pixel on your screen is individually lit. So there is no backlight. Oh, wow. So when black appears on an OLED screen, those pixels are just out. They're just... They're just... Yeah. They're not huh. turned on. And that's when you. That's why you can experience Hashtag true black. True hashtag black. true black. 
And um, so that's pretty cool. And if you look, if you watch some demos or some YouTubes or whatever, and you see these things side by side, you're like, oh, this, I, I, I want this. Yeah, this, this is, is something what, that I want. This is the best buy TV shopping experience for me. Yeah. I go and I stand and I look at the one on the left and the one on the right. And then I go, well, the one on the right is clearly much better. And then I do that for about three and a half hours with 26 <laughs> different TVs. And then yeah. I leave and I go home and I Amazon the one that I thought made the most sense. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so it turns out that I, I did, I supported, uh, shop local. I shopped Best Buy, <laughs> um, cause they had the best price on. So I did not go OLED. I went with, uh, another LG version. It's, it, it's what's called, um, it, it, it's like their nano cell. And so the backlight is, is, it's, it's something called full array. And that means that it can, it does it. It does the best job possible of emulating the OLED stuff because it. it can darken entire sections of the screen. This is like how when they had so it's like, not perfect. It's they not, had full HD come out, and then mm-hmm. there was like when things went to 4K or whatever. Right. There was a version of the TV. It was like what this isn't 4K, but it will boost your HD above where it normally would have been or whatever, as yeah. close to that as it can be. They always find like. This is the more affordable version of what OLED is trying to accomplish, yeah. basically, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I spent more than five hundred, but less than thirteen hundred. I thought that was like a nice middle ground for a solid TV um, and a fifty-five incher and a fifty-five inch, which is good. It's, size. It, it's you know that's I think I'm or I think the current one that I'm watching stuff on is forty-two. Yeah. So it'll be a it, and the TV is a good spot for a living room. It feels like it's a good spot. And you go 70 and people are like, the TVs that I've been, fuck's your deal. Everything I've ever watched for an episode of Oysters, Claims, and Cockles has been on like a TV that was created before 2010. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so it's, it's been a long time coming and I, I, I just. Have you watched anything there, there, on this there, yet? There, Have you received it? No, it comes on Thursday. Oh man, it's going to change your whole shit. Yeah. And so I just, it's, it's a lot of new things are happening for this podcast and, and we're, we're, we're switching things up over on the Patreon and I'm getting a new TV, and I just think that everybody should support that and uh, listen to this podcast and tell all your friends about it and go sign up on the Patreon so that, you uh, so that I can afford this TV. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, last time I went and got one was a few years ago, and I, I went through pretty much the same process you just described, where I was like, I found a Vizio, which is like not a brand I'm super familiar with. I've always been like an LG guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was way more affordable. Like they, their 4K was way more affordable than like the other ones I found. And I, and I ended up pulling the trigger on a larger one, my living room TV. You have a very big TV. I think it's 70 inches. It's fucking like, look, that's fine for me because I'm obnoxious with my TV shit. And that's like kind of my deal. Like if you come to my house and expect there not to be a big TV, you don't know me very well. I love big TVs. I love watching sports on big TV. I watch way too much television and movies to not be watching it in my living room on a big ass TV. But yeah, it's been a minute. And now when I see like the OLED, the newest ones in the Best Buy or in the Target or whatever, man, I'm I'm getting close to being drawn back in is what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. I'm probably another year and a half max before I have to go TV shopping because I'm dated now. This was a few years back or whatever. And and I want to get in a position like you were in. That's scary. Yeah, that's I don't know. Not everybody can live like I li- like, was what living. Was, what was with the only a forty-two inch flat panel TV like for you? Was it better? Pro- was it even better? It might have been better. Worse? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I could? Yeah, 
Yeah. Because the true blacks in that had if a, you have a true black nightmare. for Winter for Battle of Winterfell, it's just a black screen the entire time. You don't I'm have pretty sure. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you needed those dark grays. It's the experience of watching a television show with a vision impairment. Yeah. you no longer have to watch. You yeah. just listen. So anyway, I just wanted to throw on another exciting announcement. I That's, know that I know that everybody's going to be like, "Yes, yes, you got a new TV," and so I just I wanted to give. Look, I wanted to share that joy. TV purchases are right there with like a car <laughs> or a house to me. I'm not joking. Like. I don't really give a shit if you buy anything else, but if you buy a house or a car or a TV, like tell me about it. I want to hear about it. Yeah. So congratulations Thank on your new television. You. This is a this is big. All right. Um. On to my next uh, piece of such here. Mm. You've still not watched any Mandalorian yet, have you? No. Okay. You need to get in there because okay. on Friday's episode, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't gotten there yet. I know some of what happened. Little Man's has a name now. Yeah. I heard about He's this. He's got a name. And we get another big celebrity. It's Rosario Dawson. That's not a spoiler. But Oh no shit. Yeah, yeah. And it took me it took me about half the episode. And I was like, man, I kinda think like first ten minutes I was like, oh, that kind of looks like maybe Rosario Dawson. And then halfway through I was like, is that Rosario Dawson? And then like twenty minutes in I looked it up and uh, and yes, it was Rosario Dawson. Oh, she's one of the Yeah, and one so of this, those things with the The last the things. Yes. And the last and she plays a very well known Jedi. To those that are very familiar with Star Wars canon outside of the main series, and uh, the, this is all just con- to kind of say that, and 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 if you've uh, popped in and out of the Discord, the Court of Strong, you'll you'll see that we definitely have some of these uh, some listeners that are that that are well versed in like the Clone Wars and the animated series and 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 all sorts of the other canon out there, but these last two episodes have felt very tied to stuff that happened or ended with the Clone Wars animated series. Okay. And so I believe that this Jedi that Rosario Dawson is playing is a character that appears with some amount of regularity in correct. the Clone Wars. Because I've seen a couple episodes of the Clone Wars at random. Mm-hmm. My my co-host on RBP, Chris, is a big fan. Okay. Yep. So he'll play him in the house on occasion in the office. And uh, I see, I, I've seen this. Yeah, show. I feel like I... Her her physical presence. I was like, I think I've seen the animated version. Yes, of this on a yes, screen. Yes. Anyway, so so this we're we're getting while all these Easter eggs and like little tie ins and connections don't do a ton for me personally. I don't get like that like that jolt of like, oh my god, they're talking to me. They're talking to me. Yeah, like yeah. They, this is this is this my, my shit. shit. Yeah, it is. I do think it's cool the, uh, that they're tying in like the serialization and all these connections, and it's cool that it's not necessarily all the tie-ins to the main series mm-hmm. and it just keeps speaking and I, I think any big star wars fan knows this already but like this side shit so far is way better than any than anything outside of the original Look, trilogy in terms of narrative and storytelling yeah dude it's not close like the mandalorian is so much better and more enjoyable than any of the recent trilogy Yes. Like it's 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 really they, not even close. They were cool. Like don't get me wrong. They're especially the but even the OGs. Star Wars it's like it's a very well done the OG series was a very well done incredible groundbreaking sci-fi like uh you know obviously the technology used in Hollywood all that was it was it was ushering in a whole new era. And for that reason Star Wars will forever be one of the most famous franchises ever. But the storytelling even in the originals was like pretty like touch and go it wasn't always good yeah. there was a lot of really bad lines and dialogue and people rip on uh oh boy george lucas for this constantly 
And then they, they've launched into this new era where we're getting all these new people taking the helm of these different uh, movies that they've put out, some with varying degrees of success and complaining yep. and others with varying degrees of acceptance. And uh, it's just been sort of the same. I can't tell you which one of those movies was my fave. I can't remember which titled one was which. It just didn't stick the way I thought it would necessarily. Yeah. Whereas Mandalorian and... what which I wasn't aware of the, uh, the animated one that you spoke Clone to Wars. Clone Wars really stuck and Mandalorian has really stuck and people are talking about it for more than just a couple months after it comes out or whatever. And then it fades into oblivion. Like these are pieces of the star Wars universe that are being very widely embraced. Yeah. And, um, so the, the, these last two episodes, two, three, I mean, really this whole season, but especially these last few episodes, they've just felt important. And it and it's interesting how they've been able to do that while also maintaining even at the you know even at the end of this one they still send Mando on his way for like his next task and adventure <laughs> you know there's still like not a lot that's like concrete happening but the storytelling is good and the tie-ins are fun and the and the characters are 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 well developed even the ones that are only on screen for for one episode right seeing the celebrity cameos pop in and out to play these like kind of these somewhat famous roles is a lot of fun and so i just um e- e- even though there was an episode that i thought was really off this season uh as a whole it's been really enjoyable and and this show continues to hum and uh and you got to catch up so that we can say this this little man's name on the uh, on okay. The podcast. Can we do it anyway? Because it's not going to. Sp- can we say? Uh, click skip if you, ahead. If you want, if you want if you to don't be, hear if it. you just want your jaw to hit the floor when you say, "Oh my god, I gave him his name," then do thirty seconds right now um, because it is Groku. 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 Okay, that's just too close to like Goku though, right? And like <laughs> just. Yeah. So I saw. Obviously, I'm a big Twitter person, and and we won't say the name again if you're if you're now back with us. I'm a big Twitter person. I'm on Twitter a lot, and I saw the the reaction. I'm sorry, it's a G in there. Grogu, Grogu, Grogu. I like that Grogu. more. Grogu. I like that more. Grogu, Grogu, Grogu. I can get with that, but I'm gonna. Ne- Here's why I want to watch, and the thing I won't include as a spoiler. I don't want you to answer is how he gets that name that I'm interested in. Ah, uh, yes. Because obviously yes. we've been calling him what the child. The child, Baby Yoda, the foundling. Well, but on the show, the child. Or the foundling. Or the foundling, yeah. And then in in IRL, we've all been calling him Baby Yoda. You know, most people, most of the tweets I saw were like, fuck that, he's Baby Yoda to me. I'm like, ah, you know. Yeah. But Uh, we're we're definitely getting somewhere. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, uh uh-huh. One more question that might be light spoilery, I guess. Are we making progress on the helmet uh, drama? Have you Uh, felt any more? Is it the same situation we were in last week? Not since I dropped that the note earlier on a tidbit or maybe that was on a Patreon episode. I can't remember. Well, we but, discussed recently and you seem to think there was momentum it, it, toward right, the helmet coming off is, for the sake a, of everybody. Again, in another one of these episodes that heavily references and includes characters from the Clone Wars, we learn that Mando's whole like underground, about, you know, like this is the way, this is, we must do things by these strict codes is potentially like kind of an extremist group of Mandalorians and that there are a lot more progressive and new Mandalore, not new Mandalore, living more but, normal lives. But there, there is another group of them, p- potentially, it sounds like the majority of them that are still out there that live normal lives and take off their helmets because that's a normal way to live. Yeah, because keeping a helmet on all the time is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, so that's out there, and they kind of like that. They they actually are the the ones that gave him this tip that brought him to the the place he is in this most recent episode. Okay. 
And so, you know, they, he knows they're out there now. Yeah, maybe they can like, kind of like sway him over. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, bro, like you can take that helmet off. It's cool. Let's see that. Let's see that handsome face, Pedro. Yeah, I'm going to see them argue. I want to see Pedro's like, no, I don't want to take it off. And then like another guy runs from like from the side and like rips it off him and just keeps running. Like, uh, no, nah, you don't have anybody. He's like, my face. <laughs> I'm sure that's a scene that's coming. Yeah. What probably, other tidbits and such we got? Okay, so I wanted to talk uh, recently, but pretty much the last month now, I've included a note about a movie that I randomly watched on TV. Yes. And so this one is one that I, I, I had on for about an hour a, a, a few weeks ago, and I've kind of saved this tidbit for, for a chance to where we could discuss it at a little bit more length. But uh, the movie that I watched uh, or had on in the background was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Okay. This is an important one for me for a weird reason. Famous. Uh, this is a 2005 movie, so 15 years old now. It's famously the movie where Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie met on set, and the, uh, Brad started a romance affair with Angelina when whilst, he was married to whilst being Aniston. married to Jennifer Aniston, and the rest was history. So, probably of, the most salacious affair, scandalous affair in Hollywood in our lifetime, I would say. Yeah, I can't think man. of a bigger one it, it, in terms of a in, not involving like a crime. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, salacious is definitely it, it. Definitely was salacious, but even more I don't than, even know what that means. Even more like, the word. like 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 tawdry and and nasty. you know nasty and sexy, sec- all that. Yes, you got it. Yeah. But but even more than that, it was just like, I mean, it was national news. Mm-hmm. It, it was international. It was yeah. right. Like it was such a huge huge deal. There there, I don't think there is like an like a. Uh, what do they call them? Like they, they were Brad and Brad and Jen were America's sweethearts. Yeah, that, that was, was the part the, that made it such a big story, right? And Angelina Jolie was sort of America's bad girl. Yes, exactly. She'd been so, making out with her brother and drinking Billy Blob, Bob Blob Billy Blob Thornton's blood on the red having, carpet, having shit. sex in a limo on the yeah, way to the Oscars, telling also, everybody in front of her dad all yeah, kinds of crazy yeah. shenanigans. Um, so a few things stuck out to me about this movie. One, uh, like. It's 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 almost like J- Jennifer probably should have just right up front, like given given Brad a a hall pass here, or been like you can't do this movie. One of the two, or yeah, or 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 another thing I thought about is have it written into his contract that all sex scenes must be done like day one of shooting. To just get him out of the way. Get him out of the way. No time to develop any chemistry. <laughs> While hanging out on set, yeah. like, I'm sure this was like an eight week shoot. It, something had to be done because by the time you do get around to them fighting and then doing another f word in the house and in the kitchen and and throughout all different manner of places, <laughs> they it, really move. It is like 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 it's 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 pretty low key. It's PG thirteen and like your palms are sweating because it's so hot. Because they and they are so hot together. Angelina Jolie, man, yeah. that's tough. That's just tough. This that's is just, two of the hottest people to ever grace the planet. Biology just fucked that whole thing up right there. Like they they had no chance. And you you watch that and you're and and I, the the biggest thing that comes to mind is just like yeah, well, duh. Like yeah. there's no way that these two people weren't going to screw. If you're going to make them pretend to be married, sp- here's the premise of the movie. A bored married couple is surprised to learn that they are both assassins hired by competing agencies to kill each other. Which is stupid. I'll say that up front. One of the things about Mr. and Mrs. Smith for me, when it came out, I remember it. And I have a lot of questions. First, first is I got to tell you how I remember it. I watched this with a girl in high school and I hated it. 
I thought it was so stupid. I don't remember why, but I never went back. I was like, fuck Mr. and Mrs. Smith. One of the worst movies ever. 2005 and Kiss My Ass. I was out. And I don't know if it's like because it was wrapped up in that the cheating thing or the Angelina Jolie thing, mm-hmm. but I never gave this movie a real chance. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, I partially, I don't really like Brad Pitt's look. Is it the shaved head? I don't like his buzz cut. But then I, he was, he had a shaved head in Fight Club and I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. But that's a different shaved head, I feel like. Like this one has more volume somehow. Yeah, he he, he has about, I want to say maybe 20 extra pounds here in this movie. Like good like good weight, but but it, he is he's a he's little pretty big bigger than he normally is. In this is. movie, and I, I, I can't quite remember, I mean, we could look up the IMDb. This may have been shortly after uh, Troy. Okay, that would make sense. Where he, he looks got, like Troy Brad Pitt still. Right, that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. got a little bit more, he's got a slightly fuller face. And so he looks great. Obviously, he's Brad Pitt. He'll never not look great. But I actually had this conversation with Laura while this while this incredibly hot scene is going on. I uh-huh. said, I said, in this scene right here, 2005, this movie, which one of them was hotter here? And we both decided that this was like absolutely Angelina's peak. This was the hot, like hottest person on the planet. Incredible, like just everything was perfect. The hair, the you know, the look, the whole shebang. And that Brad has looked better in other movies. That's a very fair assessment. She, Brad Pitt has has. You could argue Brad Pitt looked his best in a long, uh, a long and, a, game, and once upon a time Hollywood, in Hollywood, once upon a time in Hollywood, yes. smoking yes. cigs on the roof if you yeah. wanted to. But Angelina, this is specifically like right at the height of her career fame, and like it's not. Don't get me wrong; she did a bunch of shit before this. She's a great actress. Um, yep, and has become a great director and producer and an obvious Hollywood power player as well. But that was sort of like the peak of her. I mean, the scandal and everything wrapped up in it. That was a lot for, in the terms of sexiness, that was adding to her pedigree. Brad Pitt was just sort of like, everybody thought he was a scumbag dickhead for doing this thing to America's sweetheart, Jennifer Aniston. And and it was not, this movie was not necessarily a high point for him. It was more of a low point, I feel like. Where for her, it played the opposite. Yes, she was the girl, the woman that like, you know, screwed up this marriage, but people didn't really give a shit about that. They were along for the ride on this one. It was like the drama of it. Yeah. The dramatics. Well, and and the story certainly, I think, allows this movie's legacy to be bigger and better than what it might have been otherwise. Because yeah, the, movie is, the movie is so-so. Sure. It's a, it's a fun action flick, but it's not, it's not anything great. But a very but, famous movie now as a result yes. of these circumstances. And here is the second half of this conversation. Because the other part of, that got me thinking about this is... This movie came out in 2005. I'm I'm looking here at the numbers. It did all it, it it's worldwide box office is almost half a billion dollars. That's what it did worldwide. Domestically, it did near 186 million, and this was two of the hottest top A-listers doing a big budget action flick. It was a 100 million dollar movie with no pre-existing IP. This was not an action here. This was not a, a superhero movie. This was not something based off a book. This was straight up an original idea. Let's get these two people together because they will sell no matter what. Let's put them in this spy film and let's let them rock. And this was the number nine grossing film domestically in the US in 2005. And it's sad that Damn. we do not get anything like this anymore thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the assorted other Fo- copycats yeah the, but like the, you the, if you are a big name actor now 
uh-huh. and you are looking to go secure the bag yes. in a big budget action flick, your only choice now is to be a superhero. A superhero movie. And it sucks. Because even though this movie wasn't great, it's a lot of fun and it's fun to see these people do something different and something fun that doesn't have to end up with like an entire city being destroyed by some dumbass baddie. Yeah, that's fair. The The Avengers dilemma is getting really troublesome. Like to, now it's just like they're crushing everything they do. Like all of it is working. Even the most random superheroes have introduced where I'm like, nobody's going to go see Paul Rudd and Ant-Man. This isn't going to play. It does end up playing somehow. And then they pull it into the bigger story. And then he's in 15 movies <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? I mean, it's working for everybody. It's not just working for the studios. It's working for the audience. It's working for the actors. And yes, it sucks for the reason that you're not going to see as much, many risks get taken. They've got this Wait, safe can you, zone. Can you name anything that even comes close to being similar to this recently? To, a, to the Marvel sensation? No, the to, to Mr. Sensation? and Mrs. Smith. Oh no! Like what's the last what's the last movie that that they even tried where they just put a a couple of big actors in a big film together that wasn't you know that wasn't a a superhero. I mean, this year has been a disaster, right? Because we're not even getting the releases we thought we would. We're getting them in different forms. That the whole movie industry is sort of flipped on its head. But this, yeah, it just it this is a different time in Hollywood. This this. 2005 well, area right and it's here. it's really crazy and because look full disclosure when you pull up the top 10 for 2005 there are still plenty of of pre-existing ip and sequels that dominated the number one was star wars episode three revenge of the sith okay number two harry potter and the goblet of fire okay number four chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe okay six was charlie and the chocolate factory seven batman begins oh jesus but look at what else is on this list war of the worlds Pre-existing IP, but didn't get any type of sequel. It was just like an alien movie with Tom Cruise. Dope movie, too. Wedding Crashers at number five. I would love to see the last time that a comedy made a top ten. Made the top ten of the year. That's a good question. Because that's insane. That's truly insane and speaks to the powerhouse that that movie was. That, and the, weight, and that, the was, weight that it still carries. That was like the... Man, we hit this wave where we had powerhouse comedies. Yeah, we had yeah. The Hangover. We had old Wedding school. Crashers. We had Old School. We had like... The Hangover. I bet that was one of the last ones. I yeah, that was it was. Re- yeah. I mean, that really, that was a cool little era there because we were getting A-list, top-tier comedy talent starring together in, in funny-ass movies. And then maybe even more surprising than a comedy being in the top 10 was that a romantic comedy came in at number 10, Hitch, Will Smith, and Eva Mendes. And that speaks to Will Smith's pull, too. And yeah. Hitch being a solid movie, man. Yeah. That's a fun rom-com, like, silly-ass movie. Everybody remembers the part where, what does he eat that his whole face puffs up and he's in the fucking... Like a, a what, like a shellfish, mango or a mango shellfish something? Shellfish or something. I don't know what he's allergic to, but no, that's a good movie, man. And what's his name? Uh, Paul Blart? Kevin James. Kevin James is in there. He does well. I like that movie. I'll watch. That's one that if I flip past it on TV, I'll sit for a second, get a little giggle in with Will. It's weird to love Will Smith as much as I do, and also just like I don't think I'd be comfortable with him in person. <laughs> so just just to pull 2005, the, the you know the more original movies on that list. We had War of the Worlds, Wedding Crashers, um, Mister and Mrs. Smith, and Hitch. Now let me read you 2019s. Avengers Endgame, The Lion King, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, Captain Marvel, Star Wars Episode 9, Spider-Man Far From Home, Aladdin, Joker, and It Chapter 2. Okay, it's that's kind of that's that's depressing. depressing. That's pathetic. It's de- Yeah. That's really sad. Like, you, you, you basically don't get to crack the top 10 anymore unless 
you're a sequel. Hey, are you a redo? Or yeah, or something. Get some your type. ass in here. Everybody yeah. else, fuck off. Yeah, that stinks, man. And it's it, what really stinks about it is that they're seeing so much success in that top 10 area. Right. God knows the, how, how many of the top 100 end up being remakes, reboots, reshuffles well, of existing and, 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 IP. And, and I mean, we thought it was bad. Now all these studios are, are going to be even more risk averse as they try to make up for this year. Yeah. And it's just going to get even worse. They're not going to they're not going to throw any money for at, at at stuff that they don't trust. That's why we we need to support indie films. Yeah. Got support. I suppose. Support. Any anyway, other tidbits and stuff? No, no, that all that that wraps it up for the for the day. Another glorious segment of tidbits and such with Barrett. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. There are a lot of blue light glasses on the market. To lump all blue light glasses together, though, is like lumping Honda Civics in with Corvettes as cars. Screens produce most blue light at a certain point in the spectrum. Your computer screen, your cell phone screen, all the screens you stare at all day long, every day, 455 nanometers. Most clear blue light glasses filter 2-3% to of the blue light from the screens. Felix Gray filters 15 times more. High-quality frame materials make Felix Gray durable, super lightweight and they can be adjusted to fit uh, your face very easily felix gray filters 15 times more blue light from screens than other blue light lenses the original optical lenses relieve most eye strain symptoms from daily screen time we're all stuck staring at screen, uh, these screens this year keeping up with our families doing meetings for work it's like legit 10 hours a day for me and i definitely experience the eye symptoms uh, the eye strain symptoms by the end of the day i've been wearing contacts since i was like 12 i can't see shit without contacts or glasses when my eyes are worn out at the end of the day, I turn to Felix Gray. I have the Nash frames. I have the Faraday. They're awesome. I've had them for years. They're more advanced sleep glasses, relieve serious uh, daily eye strain. They were especially designed for late night screen time, screen time to improve sleep. Uh, excuse me. If you are like me and watch a bunch of TV or movies or play video games before bed, the Felix Gray nighttime glasses are phenomenal. The sleep glasses, as they're called. They feature uh, highly curated, timeless styles made from Italian acetate for stylish, durable, lightweight, super comfortable glasses. They're the industry-leading blue light lenses. They come standard at $95, or you can add your prescription at checkout starting at $145. Join the 250,000 people that report noticeable relief from screen time with their glasses from Felix Gray. Shop 15% off site-wide now through December 2nd. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC to shop better blue light glasses at their best price ever. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC for 15% off site-wide through December 2nd. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. Let's talk about the undoing finale. Let's do it. Barrett caught up and I don't, super and, quick. And I don't want to undo it. I want to do it. Let's do it, do okay. it. Okay, yeah. Uh, so You got all the way caught up to speed. Yeah, last week I hadn't seen a, I hadn't seen a single damn episode, Ross. You put me to shame, and then, zoomed through them all. And then the, uh, you know, the, 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 the group, they left on Thanksgiving. The next day, I said, put that show on. Put that shit on now. And um, yeah, we watched two episodes on Friday, three on Saturday, and then we were all geeked up for the finale on sunday man you ended up watching the finale before me which is really funny <laughs> i didn't get to see it till last night so like i was seeing all these tweets and shit and i was like god i can't wait to see how this so yeah i i just first and foremost i'll just say uh you know you guys were right to tell me to jump on this show it was wildly addictive obviously very entertaining um i you know i loved that it was like six episodes to tell the story uh, but the, but by nature of how fast I watched it, when it was all said and done, I actually felt like I had watched a movie, and yeah. really instead, and this this had movie vibes to me, to, uh, to me. Um, I could th- I th- this is something that 
I, I thought six episodes was perfect, but in another year and another universe, I think this could have easily been adapted into a movie instead of a, uh, instead of a, a little mini little series as yeah, well. Absolutely. You, you mentioned something like unfaithful with Diane Lane and Richard Gere, which is like, I love that movie. I know um, it's fucked up. So, so, it. and, and also on Sunday, like, I, you know, I spoke last week about how this one had finally been pushed over the line and put, pushed to, to my watch list uh-huh. by so many people word of mouth. And by Sunday, like my parents were, were talking about it. Laura's mom was talking about it. My fantasy football team co-owner was like, I can't wait for the, the underrig finale tonight. Yeah. Like it felt, we talk about how, how, how few and far between going forward, we're going to get those moments that feel like those monocultural, like everybody's in on this. Everybody's watching this. Yes. And, and you had a little bit of that with Queen's Gambit, but by its Netflix nature, it was a little bit more scattered. It was, it, some people were done with it in two days. Other people some took people three weeks. watching it. It was just starting Right. Now. So it, yeah. it, it, it's got that, it's got that weird gap. But for this one. Over the released over the course of six weeks. By the sixth week, everybody's caught up. Everybody's ready for the finale, and it felt very fun. I felt like in this, you know, this world where we don't really get to see anybody all that much, like that I was kind of part of the group, part We're of all on the same page, part again. of the community, watching this at the end and and being excited about uh, about about what was going to happen. So um, that that was really fun. Were you obviously the ending? Um, you know, the undoing being a, a six-part mini-series on HBO starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, and uh, a, a, a crime that takes place in their relationship. If you don't want spoilers for that, you're going to want to bounce because we're going to be doing spoilers the rest of this yep. little conversation here. Um, by the end of it, you, I don't think most people. It wasn't a shocking twist, right? That that in fact Hugh Grant, her husband, was the murderer. All along, that's correct, and I, and because I, we'd gotten in episode five that piece, sorry, the, the that piece of the puzzle from his mother, yep, telling her he never experienced, um, and what is the line? Neither guilt nor grieving or whatever the shit. I'm totally whiffed right there. I apologize, but y'all know what I'm saying. He never felt remorse. He never felt, uh, and I and he he didn't know how to suffer. He felt neither. He was a sociopath, yeah. is what she told her. But there was like it was oh neither. Guilt nor grief. There we go. Guilt nor grief. Yeah. And, um, you know, the question, what the only real question going into the finale for me was, because I knew it wasn't the son. Yeah. I knew yeah. the kid didn't do it. And here's why. Kid, small boy, little bitty bitch arms. That's a big hammer, dude. <laughs> That's a big hammer. And man swung it like 15 times. That kid didn't have it in him. He never showed that type of like, uh, but the kid was interesting because he was from the first episode suspicious. He was being weird when the cops came around. You knew there was something with the kid. Yeah. And, and so the, the um, yeah, li- li- like I said on uh, this, I did say on our Patreon episode, but I-, I think that the little, the ending of episode five where uh, Nicole Kidman, where Grace finds the hammer in his violin case was, uh, was supposed to maybe tease out like, oh my God, was it him? Was it the kid? It the kid, yeah. But I, that was a very small little thought. Yeah, and and really, if you thought back, and and although they eventually tell you that this that the son uh, found the hammer out at the lake house, what what we had thought about was like, oh, well, he comes back into his son's room. Remember that? How he like says goodbye, kind of in a way, yeah. and that was weird. Yeah. And so I thought that maybe he stashed the hammer in the violin case at that point. But there were there were plenty of mo- there, yeah. Everything at that point was very much pointing towards Hugh it, Grant. It's definitely Hugh Grant, the only and the rest I is, is letting was, everybody else 
yeah. figure this out and, and, and how they end up dealing with it. I was, I was wondering if going into the finale, if Hugh Grant's mother was going to end up being a reliable narrator mm. or if perhaps there was something wrong with her. And that ended up very quickly. It became obvious that what we were looking at here. So the fun part of the finale, being void of sort of surprise, was watching Nicole Kidman navigate how, what to do in court. Yeah. As she's realizing, oh my God, he is a sociopath and he's going to get away with this if I don't do something drastic. That's when she goes and gets her blonde friend, uh, who's a very recognizable actress whose name is slipping my mind. She was fantastic, by the way. Loved her. Was very good as a little side character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, she plugs her in with, uh, well, frankly, a lot of information that um, no one else could have had that apparently doesn't need a, an explanation in court, yeah, which was that, interesting. That was interesting. That you can just, well, then they explain it. They're like, ha because the defense called her up. Like, she can be asked anything without objection. Like, right. hoo-hoo. Which then I'm like, well, why was their lawyer that dumb if she was as good as she is at her job to get played by? But I get it. Yeah, she's she got a trained tri- psychologist. She's She's very, very good at her job. Even though her sociopath husband was able to, um, and keep in mind, part of the sociopath thing, and this is often the case with serial killers, they learn, study, and and are able to fake it really well. Like, that's part of the puzzle that you need if you want to be a successful sociopath. You have to be able to convince people that you're not a sociopath or else you're identified as a sociopath and then bad things happen. This dude faked it very well. His whole life with uh, Nicole Kidman, he was able to convince her that first of all, he didn't have a, a sister that died, that it was a dog that died that he was blamed for. Um, and then that he had, you know, obviously normal emotions and feelings. And, and that ended up being not actually the case. And we, so, so two interesting things for me, watching her figure it out and how to handle it in court. And then watching Hugh Grant sort of go from like, here's the mask I wear every day and the way I present myself to the world to like derailing some. And by the time he's in the car ride with his son, he's in like full fuck it mode. Yep. And that was great. That was very well acted by him for it to be more subtle and not over the top to be realistic in the way I think that I would react. Um, if I was a similar human being, that was cool, man. It was, it was just very, very well done to me. And I, people were low as shit on this finale, by the way. Were they? It got ripped a lot huh. um, for, for like ch- thinking it was smarter than it was and shit. And like, this is the type of thing about critics that just bums me out. Because in my opinion, this was the way to do the finale. If you go too hard, if you're like, well, no, we need like a huge fucking twist. You can blow it so easily. Were, were people that were low on the finale expecting it to not be Hugh Grant at the end? I don't really know what they wanted. To not be Jonathan? I, I, I don't really know, but there's a lot of, like, I'm looking at an article on Vulture. The undoings fall from Grace. Because um, <laughs> her name's Grace. Oh, yeah. Um, That's good stuff. So, while wh- wh- while you look at that and, and give me a taste of what they, what they, what, what what the, they think. What the critics had to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let me start speaking on Hugh Grant, because... Oh, this is what they... Okay, go Let, ahead. No, let's hear it. Okay. Let's hear it. They called it one extended red herring disguised as a limited series. Okay. So, sure. yes, but also like... It was a limited... what a mystery yeah. crime thriller It was a great is. mystery, and that's and, and it was a limited series. It's not like they dragged this out over 10 episodes. Yeah, like why are you complaining about this? It's yeah. just the good stuff. Like, leave it alone. So, okay. This show did a lot of things well. Maybe the best move that it made was the casting of Hugh Grant. I totally agree. Because uh, that's a revitalizing role what, right there. What they needed here 
to to play out this red herring, if you will. Mm-hmm. They needed somebody that you needed a preconceived notion about, that the audience had a preconceived notion about. That he and we, couldn't be we the bad. love Hugh Grant. He yeah. is one of the most charming actors out there. He's He does his thing, and he had toned down the Hugh Grantness in this, uh, admittedly, but he's still Hugh Grant. We like this guy. He's still that. You know when you he still has it? those little jokes. He still has that. He still has that charm about him. When the lawyer took him on TV to like, you know, charm the mm-hmm. world, basically, then you saw more Hugh Grant, like the classic Hugh Grant that's like super likable and it's that boyish charm and is yep. like handsome. Has a little bit of a stutter to kind of talk like yeah, you know, like, the, the, a little bit awkward and uncomfortable, yeah, a little bit or whatever. Uncomfortable, but like, so but it makes him a little more endearing. relatable. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. endearing. Um, that was the only time you really saw it come out, and but it, yeah, it was. This was, I mean, and one of the things that I just pulled up as I was googling was like, oh, it's a, it's on NPR. It's no more Mr. Nice Guy. Hugh Grant embraces the blessed relief of darker roles. Yeah, and, and like, if you can get a role like this and kind of flip your career into a different space as an actor, you can revitalize it. And well, he's not been like a massively important person the last no, decade. No, and it, and and it's especially nice when the role still plays. To your strengths, which it which is that that kind of being charming, that that being charm, likeable. that being likable, and that was very important for the sh- for the series, so that through the first first four episodes, we kept questioning everybody else. We kept saying, "I I, I believe this guy. He, 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 there's no way he could have done it." You know, it's it, so we needed that. We kind of needed that uh, that that knowledge of of who we expect Hugh Grant to be to really go there and buy into that and yeah. make excuses for him. And look at everybody else, and and that was great. Um, and they kind of made you think, like maybe uh, his wife was losing her mind a yep, little bit. Yep. Like, you know, she was kind of having these issues with. Or like, they could have been her or potentially. They, honest to God, that was for me and the girlfriend. The yeah, prevailing for, for like theory two episodes that at was... the end in the finale. Even though we were like, is it going to be her? Is she <laughs> flipping it on him so that she can get away with it? Like we we obviously saw the footage of her in the street walking. And then obviously they figured out that she walked there often and that was less suspicious, which seemed like a really weird, easy write off for like, there was a lot like, look, the show was, uh, it was pointed at for having like logic gaps in, in the, in the story. And there's one big one that we'll get to. Okay. But and and look, I'll be honest, that didn't bother me much. Um, unless it's just like over the top idiotic, which maybe yours is and I haven't thought of it. We'll see. It doesn't bug me anymore if shows take liberties with their with the narrative, like the jumping of the story to like get it to be better. Mm-hmm. If you kind of force stuff and it's like, wait, what? How? I don't care. Do it. Whatever. Fine. And that's better than you writing some terrible shit and then us having to watch that unfold. So, yeah. um, but, I, but I end up being cool with it. it. There at the end, man, like it, it was shocking to see how like dead Hugh Grant could look in the eyes. Like the oh, he went all the way. He in. He went all the way in. It was unbelievable, and and there was. In the back half of that of the finale, I, one of the things that was running through my mind was um, as they started to show, as they started to, to unfurl the the events of the night, they were giving them to you in the little pieces. They were yeah. they were filling in the story, and at first I was like, "Oh, I actually don't want them to do this because it's freakier to think about what maybe happened. What like to just kind of have to put it in your mind what this guy did, which is what we did for five episodes, basically. Which is what we did for five characters. episodes. And so at first, I w- I kind of like bristled against that. And I was like, no, 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 don't show us. Just let it let it simmer, let it sink in, let us have to think about it. But by the end, when you finally get to see it, when when they do go all the way and they show it, I I thought that they I thought they made their point well, and and that they communicated that the whole thing. One of the big themes of this series which is that like literally anybody 
can can snap. And that when there's when you're dealing with a sociopath, they they it can be your child's oncologist. It can be these guys that are unbelievably charming and have their lives put together and seem so perfect and are involved in happy marriages and have wonderful kids. And like this man, this dude can smash somebody in the face with a sculpting there, hammer. It's the idea times. that that guy, your kid's oncologist, could be the scariest person you know because yeah. they're so unassuming and they're so. In the case of like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This, a lot of this has to do with narcissism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Hugh Grant did a lot of research on narcissists, and uh, I'm gonna read you a little quote from NPR here in a second. But one of the things that was so fascinating about his character was that doctors, in particular, and a doctor curing cancer in children. They narcissists feed off of the emotion and the power they get off of making others feel things. Mm-hmm. That would be perfect for a narcissist to achieve that level of uh, a job in, in in the medical field to have to be a doctor curing children's cancer. It's just a perfect shield. Um, I'm going to read you the quote now from NPR he, on on the research that Hugh Grant did for his role as uh, the oncologist in, in in the Undoing. He said, "I'm pretty good at narcissists because there's plenty in my business." I've also spent a good deal of the last decade surprisingly close to politicians, and they rival anyone I know in show business for narcissism. I'm a great believer in whoever said, politics is show business for the ugly. That is absolutely true. Extraordinary egomania going on there. So I've seen a lot of that stuff up close. The bit I didn't know a lot about was doctors, and at what point their marvelous abilities to cure can curdle them into something a little creepier, Hmm. where the ego starts to take over. It's more about... I'm such a wonderful doctor and I'm not sure I really care if this person lives or dies as long as I can test my new theory and then win another prize or get another chair of some teaching hospital or whatever. And so I researched that a bit. I talked to a lot of doctors in the UK and then in New York and they were all much too nice. They were lovely people who I keep in touch with to this day. And then finally, I found one who wasn't an oncologist at all. He worked in another field. My brother who lives in Manhattan and his wife had said, you need to meet this guy because he's the one that all the ladies want to go for for their knee operation, even when there's nothing wrong with their knee. So I went to see him and he was very charming and well-dressed and likable. And I thought he was very useful to me. I don't doubt he's an absolutely wonderful doctor, but you could see some narcissism there as well. Just an incredibly interesting Man, really threw that guy under the bus, eh? Yeah, uh, so that guy listened to the NPR interview and was like, hey, fuck you, Hugh. <laughs> fuck Hugh, as Larry David would say. So, uh, yeah, just just that piece of the show, and as a man especially, um, and as a man who now, I look, I've seen some shit, I'm 33, I've watched a couple people derail, all right? I've seen a couple of narcissistic meltdowns, Um uh, in, in my life, I've seen people wreck their families. I've seen a couple of these situations where, like, they're out there, man, in big numbers. Um, and it's just a matter of trying to find one that doesn't end up, you know, beating his uh, uh, mistress to death with a hammer. Yeah. Um, but that, 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 in the end, that final scene really haunted me and it was uh, terrifying and shocking. And, and the one where he killed her? Yeah. 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 Know, it was just, fucked up. Well, so it was, it, I mean, but it was also like, being a narcissist, him being a narcissist, the second she started threatening his family, it was over. Like he was, she, she was fucking dead. Like there, there, that guy was going to kill her to protect himself. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy. Now her being like mentally unwell is another factor that you kind of forget, but she wasn't well. She was undergoing treatment and shit. He was just using her because she was very, very hot, basically. But the second she went at him with a hammer, it was over. The narcissistic dude was was uh, was gonna snap. So, 
no, all around, this show ended up being very, very excited. This was cool, man. I like the fucking drama of this stupid affair shit. Like, I don't want to endure it in my life. I like watching it play out on TV with very attractive people um, and, and scandal and, and murder. And watching the kid dr- drive around with him was sad. That was sad. Watching him try to, like, spend this last few minutes with his son in his fake little life in which he's also giving you signs that he doesn't actually give a shit about the son, um, that he's just a monster, right? He's just a, basically a monster trying to exert the last little bit of control he can before it's over, before the ride's all over. Yeah. And then he gets up on the bridge. That was a good t- little turn to touch on one. This is the last thing I have a point on. He gets up on the bridge and he, and the son is like begging him not to jump. Right. Because you don't want you. Right. You still don't want your dad to kill himself. Of course right? not. Yeah. And then she, uh, they, the, the helicopter was so fucking cheesy. Them being able to follow the cop helicopter with their helicopter because her dad just happens to be like a billionaire that we don't know anything about at any point in the show. There's never explained, like, well, who is her dad? Why does he have all this money? Uh-huh. Um, her landing on the bridge, though, and then running to him and the child, and, like, I was confused. Like, did she think he was going to take Henry with him off the bridge? Did she think Henry might jump? She just didn't want Henry to see it because she'd be scarred. I guess a matter of all three could be the case. But watching him see her, Hugh Grant, watching Hugh Grant see his wife running towards him and have the moment where he's such a fucking twisted psycho that he's actually convinced himself that she's running for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he kind of starts to smile. Yep. And then she gets closer and it's, it's all about Henry. And then you realize he's starting to realize that. And he goes from like the... Grace, like, Grace, I love you, like, to like, Grace, Grace, like, full freak out, and you're like, oh my God, bro, this is fucking dark. It was just so cool to see him flip that, and I, I think you're totally right about one of your first points. This plays on a totally different level because it's Hugh Grant. I've never seen this dude come off as even mildly menacing, right. and by the end of the series, he's a full-blown monster. Yeah. That was really cool to watch. So the undoing on HBO was thoroughly enjoyable, and it's one that I'm very, very glad enough people brought up and that I dove in on, and I'm glad we got you in on it. And it did end up being sort of this phenomenon that millions and millions and millions of us all sort of talked about and watched at the same time. So there we go. We got one. Barrett, any other points on yeah, the undoing? Yeah, um, I, I did want to... I, I thought the, the portrayal of Haley Fitzgerald, the defense attorney, was really interesting and really good and really well done. Um, although many characters in this show, including the original lawyer, who was the, uh, the guy from, um, the great, he was the, the oh, head yeah. of the Russian army. That's a British dude. Haley Fitzgerald was a British actress. Nicole Kidman is obviously Australian. Hugh Grant is British. Anyway, the kid there, was British. The, the kid is Noah Jupe is British. Anyway, there were, he, he actually probably had the best American accent because there were other times, especially with the defense attorney where some, some British was, uh, was really coming through. Um, and I don't know. I just think being a defense attorney is a fascinating thing because you, you, by, by the end, when she looks over at him and she's like, you lost her because you couldn't get rid of the fucking hammer. Like, how stupid, how can, stupid you be? can you be? It's almost like an acknowledgement of like, I do this because. Like, well, like I can, well, like I, I kind of knew you were guilty the whole time. In a way. Not I kind of. That was, I knew you were guilty the whole time. I was trying to save you, you moron. How did you blow this for both of us? Yeah. And it really put her back into the, because it's, that's one of the questions about being a defense attorney, right? One of the conundrums is how do you represent guilty people yeah. or people that you know or think might be guilty? And in the case of this particular defense attorney, uh, what was her name again? Haley Fitzger- Fitzgerald. Haley Fitzgerald. She clearly didn't care morally 
about whether or not her clients were guilty. It was about trying to present the strongest case and be a winner and succeed. She was known as one of the top attorneys in New York City. Yeah, and yet somehow I don't necessarily fault these people for doing this job. Now, well, and doing someone it, has and to do the job. Well. It's part of our system. Like, right? Yeah, you, exactly. You defend your client to the best of your ability, regardless of their guilt. Yeah, and so even though you, it, like, the, the, the job here, and, and maybe I'm just, like, making excuses. I don't know why I feel this way. It probably has something to do with my, my I don't really, I kind of have an issue with authority in general. But um, You don't have to psychologically profile yourself. But, like, yeah, you, you. It's important that somebody puts the burden of proof back on the state or else yes. nobody would ever get a, get acquitted in a case. This is how and all innocent people that were accused of something would be found guilty because there weren't any good defense lawyers to make sure that the state was doing their job. This properly. is how the American justice system works, man. So it's, I, this I, is I, it. So I, I'm not saying I falter. It was just cool to see like it was all very interesting. She was acknowledgement that she fucking basically knew. And, and I loved what she said, too, about how her job like, like when she has originally having the conversation with Grace. She's like, I'm not getting you your life back. I'm not changing anything that was done. I am creating muck. Yes. I thought that was a really great way of putting it. And I like I like watching all that play out. Muck. Um, That's know, what I can give you. Muck. muck. Yeah, she said that really well, too. Uh, Donald Southern's char- character didn't really care where the money came from. I love seeing uh, amazing New York real estate. and I didn't really care it, either. It was just an interesting thing to not give us any detail. Lavish uh, uh, places yeah. uh, in a city that is unaffordable. It's amazing. And that brings me to, to another point here. And, and the show even kind of has a moment of self-reflection on this. But look, this story... The characters that we were made to care about and the characters that we were watch, this story is focused on the unraveling lives of extremely wealthy and privileged people. Yes. And it do, and it, it really spends very little time on the people most affected. The victims. M- the victims. Miguel, his mom, his dad, the people that aren't uh, protected and, and supported and embraced by by wealth and money and and the luxuries that that those things well, in this lend. case, they actually were, but so that they could be used, sort of, basically. And, and so, you know, by Hugh Grant, it's 2020, and and once your ears are tuned into this type of thing, it is hard. It, it's hard not to think about the fact that we that we do constantly go into shows like this, and what we care about is the rich people. And the show even mentions that there's that line where they're talking about how how Haley Fitzgerald mentions that that rich people are so entitled and and think they can get away with it, and that's because they usually do. And on the TV, it's like it, the, somebody, one of the news reporters, is like, "We constantly say, you know, that we want to stick it to the rich, yeah, but we never do." Right. And that's so true. And that it's it's so American. Yeah. And it, it, it what it really makes me think about is this like ruse that 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 can be played upon you especially when you're young and I'm, I'm talking about this from from my own experience but like the reason that i felt like i was a republican when i was a kid uh-huh. when i was a young kid is because i imagined myself to be fabulously wealthy one day and i wanted to to and i didn't want to have to pay 50 percent tax well and all fabulously wealthy people for right? the most part are republicans so a, a, so saying, a lot of you, the rich people in the world are, because you're voting with your wallet yes and so it's really out of it's, selfishness. It's this really funny mind game that gets played on you as 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 a consumer of American culture. Is it like even those of us that are not rich, it, it, like, w- being that wealthy is 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 hitting the lottery. 
It's never going to happen for yeah. 99% of us. Well, and it's also, and yet we, that isn't the goal. We like, if life's to only this. goal is monetarily driven, you're fucked. And yet we cling to it and we love it and we want to watch, you know, wealth porn, whether it's Succession or whether for it's sure. this show. And it's just this really amazing, like, mindset that, that we have as Americans that, like, even though, you know, even though we, 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 we bristle against people being so unbelievably wealthy, the Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. The Wall Street who have the, All the people on Wall Street that just have so, so, so much wealth. Sure. We never really do anything about well, it's, it. Well, it's still... We, we constantly support these people. We constantly the defend American dream and protect the rich because of this American dream. Yeah. All of that circling back into the fact that, like, it's okay to want that. It's okay to 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 love watching that. It's okay to aspire to these things. But to ju- to just to wrap up this this little piece of of social justice, con- uh, you know, conscious here. Yeah, it's like this this whole thing folds into why people have been so upset about twenty twenty. It's because as as Americans, as young people, we're sold this bill of goods that tells us that we can do this. And yet, when we look, when we look into the system, when we look into the back end, when we look into the algorithm and find the program, out you actually can't really. The, the, only some people can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's why that's people the are pissed. Upsetting thing. Yes. It's that when you look into the behind the machine, the inner workings of it, you realize, wait, I never was, I was and, never able to win this. And it's even, and 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 I'm, it's even okay. For a lot by of the way, I just, for I, most I just want to say, like, it's totally fine to be privileged and to come from money and to do all that stuff, like. And and nobody is good. I don't want to take away those head starts or, or or you know those, you know those privileges from anybody. I had a lot of them myself. They're just part of the way the world works. Sure. It's just that the other people that don't have those have to have a fair opportunity to compete, right? Yes. And that's, that's why people get so pissed off because there's so 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 many obstacles and pieces of the system. Well, intentional that hold those people down. Intentional and obstacles ri- and, ri- and rig the game so that. Only the people with those head starts and with those privileges can continue to can continue to accumulate and and find all this wealth. Anyway, it's well, just and to really, live the like, advantages of it. Like that's that's one of the things I noticed in 2020 that upset me, honestly. And somebody who's you know like you, grown up and been lucky with most of my friends, grown up had money and and were in great privileged positions. <clears throat> and that never really, obviously, I was a young boy. I didn't really fucking know what that meant or how it played into the grand scheme of things. But it is upsetting to know. And what you and what you figure out, the more people you meet, the older you get in the United States. It's upsetting to know that there are a large number of people with privilege and fortune and wealth who are actively going out of their way to allow or to prevent others from being able to achieve that. That's the the most infuriating thing to me, because it is supposed to be the land of opportunity where anyone can come and achieve the American dream. And it's the confusing part of the American dream for white guys like you and me because we were sold it and told it and it was pretty much true for us. For us. We didn't really realize like that wasn't necessarily true at all for anybody else mm-hmm. or how it impacted other people or what it looked like for others. So to unravel that in the grand scheme of things, it makes it all feel like a lie. And that's very upsetting. Like for like the... The, you know, the part of the constitution that's, that's what, what is this? I'm retired ending the near uh, back end of a three hour recording session here. So give my brain a break, but all men created equal under God. Mm -hmm. Well, no, not the fuck really. That was bullshit. It sounded awesome to me when I was eight. Cause I had never been given a reason to believe it wasn't true. Now I'm 33 and I've seen a million reasons to believe that's not true. So right. it's horseshit. And the whole, 
that's the anger for me. Like things being predicated on bullshit upsets me. And then the more, the, the more you dig and yeah, man, look, I'm going to continue to watch all this wealthy porn shit because frankly, it's gotten to a point where I'd rather, I'd rather watch, excuse me, Hugh Grant and, uh, the succession family, uh, blow their lives up and live miserably with all that money than I would to actually try to go get some myself and see what happens. <laughs> Frankly, yeah, I, I'd rather watch the shelves. Yeah. I mean, it and seems miserable. I, I just, and I don't, I don't, I don't point it out because I'm saying that we shouldn't make these TV shows anymore. I just, I, it's an interesting, it's just an interest. It's just an interesting facet of American life. I mean, like Travis Scott was tweeting about this show, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this was, this was a, everybody was watching this. It, it, there's no reason to like pick this nit, but I had, but, it, but because, you know, when the TV reporter even said it, like, I just thought it was, I loved the way she I framed I love that line. Yeah. Like we always say that we want to stick it to the rich and then we never do. And in fact, we love the rich and we protect them at all costs. And it's just a really weird conundrum and, and, uh, and this is, and we get, you know, at, at the very least, at least we had the night of. Which, although it didn't spend a lot of time with the victim's family, the person that was involved in the system was sure. also not of a lot of means and was an immigrant. And so we saw, uh, with, with this, so you know, there are other stories that 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 give us a little taste of something different and show of us the no, of course, show us of the course. other side. But in this case, then yet that wasn't and what and we at got. The, at the end of the day, it still is very fun, and we can't help ourselves to watch to to watch and focus on the rich people especially when when everything is 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 sliding off the rails and going out of control and in this show's instance it did a very good job of portraying the the i guess non-wealthy privileged people in this show mainly miguel's family what up miguel the little boy's name is miguel right <laughs> miguel um and his mother and father like they were only shown to us as pawns as things to be used yep we only saw those characters when they were being utilized for Hugh Grant's purposes and or the court. Like, the show wasn't about them, and that was part of the message, that these people don't give a shit about those people. Really. You know? Yeah. Even the doctor who fucking cured the little poor boy of cancer, <laughs> he had to fuck his mom, ruin his whole family, and then murder her. Yeah. Bro, so yeah, no, I mean, it's, look, there are a lot of ways you can look at that shit, but there is absolutely something to the extreme, like, what, I don't even know, like, sexy consumerism, like, the the dream of, like, just the the never-ending wealth and It's the dream, man. Exuberance. Even though, even though, we, even though we know it's not very likely, it, it's still part of the dream. Not exuberance. That was not the word I was looking for. But yes, it is part of the dream. And it's a weird asset of America right now where we're like actively hate that. But it also is still part of the thing that we Exa yes. fundamentally believe about our country. Ex yes. Exactly. Is that you could come here it is a weird... and become powerful, yes. wealthy, build yourself into a position. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird conundrum and that one that we will continue to deal with. For the rest of our government. For the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the undoing is over, and it was very good and, and quite good, and uh, and Barrett and I both enjoyed it. Happy to have all of you uh, along for the ride that were there with us. We got to go, so I have one fucking thing to say. Okay. I finished The Queen's Gambit, and you were mostly right. We had covered everything we needed to Pretty cover. Pretty much, yeah. The one thing that was funny is how I was like, I just want to see what guy she ends up with. That's the only reason I'm watching this finale at this point. Not that I didn't love the show. And you were like, well, I think you might have a little bit of a surprise there for you. And it was all fucking five of them showing up to help her win the, the damn game against the Russian guy. 
And then, of course, the show not being it, and of course, that was like a, a misogynistic, uh, sexist way of me to look at it in the first place. Like, which guy will the girl end up with? But in the end, it has nothing to do with that. It's her literally walking through the park, and the point is sort of like this girl who started the show as a broken, abandoned, lonely orphan ends up in a position where she will literally never be alone in her life again if she doesn't want to be. All she has to do is walk into a park and find a chessboard, and literally everyone in that park will know who she is yeah, because yeah. she's become the most famous chess player, most successful chess player in the world. God, I love chess. Oh, the show was <laughs> phenomenal. It made me feel nothing but the warm and fuzzies, yeah. and I loved the that it had addiction and substance abuse and all this shit tied into it. I love that it didn't go with like the which guy was she ended up with like my simple ass would have taken it. I thought they did a great job. And with both of these shows, both The Undoing and Queen's Gambit, look, I saw the same type of reaction, but well, it fell a little flat in the end. No, it didn't. You just want, you need some fucking absurd bang at the end or something. You're not getting that with every show. If you have a good show that's awesome all the way through, you just land the plane, dude. Yep. You don't try to do a 360. So everybody chill out. Queen's yeah, Gambit was it, fucking awesome. It's a really weird thing. Um, uh, yeah, and I don't, I don't know what people like. To some degree, I understand what those what those critics are saying because we're sitting here and we don't really have anything further to add after the finale, right? Sure. Like, there's not like the show had pretty much everything. You know, the interesting moments of the story really had all happened leading up to the to the big match in Russia, and then the final episode is the big match in Russia. Like you're saying. That's totally fine. You just got to land the plane. The show was great. It was amazing. The, yeah. the, the, it was a wonderful run. But but yeah, we definitely have this weird thing going where we like expect to be wowed with the final episode of something. And here's why I said that's, that's just not that. that I, I, I mean, we're all we... watching 20 shows a year. <laughs> Television shows are more accessible than they've ever been. It is not possible for every story to end in a way that blows your freaking mind. That's insane to expect. So it pisses me off to some degree. Well, there isn't going to be a season two. You know what I'm saying? I don't think so anyway. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're tossing it around. God, that would be a little silly. I think you got a good ending there. Just leave it. Um, but like the undoing, there's not going to be a season two. The finale didn't need to lead me into a place where I was like, mother of God, I have to come back next yeah. year. It's yeah. just over. Find a new show. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't get the complaining. I mean, at the same time, I do get where it comes from. I'm not with it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. Right. It, it, it's. I. I guess I understand the sentiment, but I certainly do not understand what you wanted or are expecting other than what you got. Yeah, I don't either. So, don't anyway, it's great. Undoing Queen's two, Gambit. Two really fun, wonderful shows. Both done. Both had a blast watching them. Hope y'all did too. That will do it for today's episode of OCC, produced by Mariah Gossett and Mike Moody Garcia of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Huge thanks to our sponsors today, Echelon. Hit echelonfit.com slash dragon to try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Also, felixgrayglasses.com slash dragon. Go get yourself a pair of Felix Grays and support Barrett and I and the entire Clam fam. If you already have an Echelon and some Felix Grays, you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, and cockles because guess what? This week, we're watching Sopranos. The Sopranos, HBO, Season 1, Episode 1, ad-free coverage all year long, rest of 2020, all of 2021, The Sopranos. We're burning through the series. Barrett and I are going to watch episode by episode, do a podcast on every single episode. One episode per week, you will watch the show as it was meant to be watched by David Chase, HBO, and James Gandolfini. Nobody else had any input, just those three uh, people and organizations. <laughs> um 
and and the way that Barrett and I are going to be watching it. One per week, starting this week, season one, episode one, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. This Thursday, if you're listening to this episode right now, you can go sign up on Patreon, join the tier that makes the most sense for you, support the show, get the ad-free Sopranos coverage that you so crave. Mollusk Militia, we're super stoked to offer you all a bunch of stuff beyond the actual episode. I'm going to be doing a column recap they might be briefer than you're imagining in your head if you're like, you're going to write a thousand words for every episode. But for every episode we watch, one per week, I will be doing a short column recap. Wow. Um, and review on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, but only for the Mollusk Militia, Barrett. If you're in the Crustacean Nation, you're just going to get the episode. So check out the tiers, see what's available in both. And uh, we're looking forward to a long rest of, uh, well, I guess a short rest of 2020 and then a long 2021 covering uh, The Sopranos with y'all in what in what I hope will be just a vaccine-filled utopia of a year, 2021. We all know that's not going to happen. It'll probably be a shitstorm. I'm going to get vaccinated like eight times at least, minimum. I'm just going to go get the two, I think, the two rounds okay. that are uh-huh. required. But if I Suit feel yourself. a third or Suit fourth. Suit yourself. Suit yourself. If I feel a third or fourth is needed, I may go back in. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Rest of 2020, all 2021. The Sopranos, The Sopranos, The Sopranos. It's not TV. It's OCC. It's not TV. It's OCC. The tiers are updated. Go to the website, Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Get you some of this hot gabagool. Forget about it. And then forget about it. <laughs> Thank you, Barrett. Um, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We're on Twitter at Clams and Cockles. Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at WR Bolin. And also uh, catch me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash boss rolling a few times a week. Mr. Dudley, where can we follow you on the social medias? Hit me at Barrett Dudley, Twitter and Instagram. Um, those are the only social medias. At Barrett Dudley is the only... You're not a TikToker? Uh, I have TikTok, but I don't post any videos. Okay. Um, at Barrett Dudley, that, those are, that's the... It's just at Barrett Dudley. It's your name. No dashes or underscores. At B-A-R-R-E-T-T Dudley. If you... Those are the only official accounts for me. So any other accounts that may look or familiar or similar... Present themselves as you. present themselves are not me. Those are fraudulent. They are not me. Fraudulent. It's at Barrett Dudley. Those are the real ones. They don't need no check mark to know that. You just at Barrett Dudley. Yeah. I turned down a check mark. They're very they're very 2018. I don't I don't like it, but I can't walk away from it. It's like the only thing I really got out of writing that book. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is like just been this whole deal. <laughs> so Anyway, here we are. Uh go to Patreon right now and join the tears. Do the Sopranos with us. If you don't, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And likely die alone. For everybody else, we're looking forward to starting The Sopranos with y'all. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and all the TV and film you've been watching. Come back next week for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube.com, slash Bowling Media if you want to watch our show. And of course, Patreon is the only place for ad-free exclusive coverage of The Sopranos all through 2020 and 2021. Thank you very much. Until our next helping, goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends.